0: All right, welcome everybody to the Mets News Podcast, where we talk all things Mets and anything I feel like talking about. Now, today's episode, I have my special guest. You guys have been clamoring to hear from one of my coaches and the draft expert. So I brought on my head coach, someone I've learned a lot from over the years, someone that actually helped me get to college to coach. Please welcome uh, Coach Weber. How are you, Coach? I'm
1: hanging in there, Ben. Um, tough times these days, and uh, but we're hanging in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now we should be getting ready to put districts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. But uh, tough pill to swallow. <clears throat> tough, you know, we put all that time in to get prepared and didn't get to kind of see where we were at. What can you do?
0: Yeah, I know. Um, so I wanted to get your perspective on the different levels of the game because, I mean, as you know, the game is always changing especially this year, we got the sabermetrics metrics in a little bit more. I just wanted to get your perspective on that because some of the guests I've had on the podcast really like the sabermetrics. metrics. Other people don't. When I went down to spring training, I talked to Terry Collins, and he said the managers don't have enough to do once you get to this level. So I was just wondering what's your perspective on all of that?
1: Well, we we kind of felt like as a high school staff, a lot of our players were getting exposed to the you know, analytics at showcases and, you know, and and different college coaches are really looking at it um, when they want to talk about players. So I think it was our idea that, you know, we need to evolve as well. So we wanted to kind of dabble in it a little bit, see if it had any value to us. Um, The one thing with high school is our, you know, our sample size is pretty small. So um, it might not play as well in high school, but you know things like bat speed and you know spin rates and things like that are, are items that college coaches are talking about so exit velocity so we just felt like it was important for us to to kind of stay in tune with the times and I, I don't know how much value it will add yet but you know not having the season kind of hurt us in that in that regard but um, you know we just wanted to try it see if we feel value in it i i've talked to a lot of players former players of ours um, some couple former professional players and mostly those guys are my age or a little bit younger than me um and and there was mixed results a lot of them didn't believe in it um a lot of them thought it was just you know a number that you like certain things you can't measure so they valued the things that you can't measure more than um, some of the things you can measure so Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I do want to try to add, you know, we did a lot of stuff hitting-wise this year. I do want to try to add pitching to our arsenal next year um, for the high school program.
0: I will will say looking at the bat speeds and stuff is pretty cool because I've always wondered what it actually is. To get a glance at it sort of was kind of cool for me at least. And I've spoken to my college coach about he's like – he's getting more adapted to it. The younger people on his staff. I'm actually the youngest, but there's one that's 21, and I think one that's 26 that's on his staff. They're really into it, so it's going to be interesting to be on the guy that sort of was the one that got a little exposure to it who's really interested in what I got to see and stuff.
1: Yeah, the thing you can't measure, though, is, is heart and, and toughness. You know, <clears throat> you can have the best bat speed in the world, and if you're not competitive, you, know, you don't have that, that burning desire inside of you. Um, it doesn't really matter. So I think, um, you know, in high school, we're kind of – it's not like we're recruiting players. It's not like I can say, you know, I want players in a certain percentile of certain aspects, you you know. So we're kind of – you know, the neat neat thing to me about high school is we're dealt cards and we have to figure out the best way to make a team out of it. And, And I think college guys can kind of, you know, pick and choose a little bit more attributes that they want. So um, it'll be interesting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, obviously staying with the times. That's the important part.
0: Definitely. I mean, especially from the people I spoke to down in spring training, the, the Sabre metrics now is really becoming a big part of the game. Um, I was surprised to know that shifts were a big part of it too, that they want to illegalize shifts. That's what um, Terry Collins said, which I just don't understand because I think that takes a lot of – you know, perspective out of it. A lot of game planning, and now that's why I don't want the DH to lead the National League. Do you want the DH to come to the National League? I'm or...
1: um, I'm a traditionalist. I I don't like to see the I don't like the DH. Um, I just like the strategy of the pitchers at bats. You know, when you're gonna when you're gonna take him out to pinch hit for him. You know, and and the value of a pitcher that can actually handle himself in the batter's box, whether that's bunting or hit and run or slashing or, you know, so I'm more of a traditionalist in that I don't really like the DH. I understand why they want to do it. But I also think, you know, pitchers don't have the, you know, the risk of going to bat themselves. I think it opens them up to be a little bit more, you know, willing to hit guys and, uh, you know, that kind of aspect because they never have to step in the box themselves. So I think I would like to see, it's you know, the DH go away. I certainly understand why they do it because they want runs and they want to keep some of these players in the league longer, you know, if they can't get on the field. But, um, you know, that's where I'm at.
0: I, I want the DH to stay in the National League because, like, the moments like the Bartolo Cologne home run, And maybe it's because the Mets pitchers can actually hit. But when Jacob deGrom doesn't get any run support and he has to hit like two home runs to win the game or Noah Syndergaard, I'm just someone that enjoys it. Of course, it takes away the strategy. I watch American League games when the Mets aren't on and I'm like, wait a minute, when are you going to double switch? Oh, wait, you don't have to double switch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's tough when you get to that sixth, fifth, sixth inning and your pitcher spots coming up and he's pitching fairly well, but you might be down a run or two do you take them out? <clears throat> do you hope that you can uh, scratch a run here and keep them in? You know, I think all that adds to the job of the manager and it and it plays into the value of a manager. Um, and personally, you know, I'm a Reds fan. Michael Lorenzen, I think is, you know, what he's doing with like starting in center field and relieving games. Hap- you know, I just think that's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's more like a, a little league game or a, high school game where the, like a pitcher can be an athlete too. And uh, so I, I, I like to see the pitchers hit.
0: Definitely. I, I, I just can't see the national league, not having a pitcher hit. It's going to happen this year with the abbreviated season, but I'm scared that the commissioner is going to say, see, it worked. And then (laughs) put the
1: DH. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. I think it could happen. Doesn't mean we have to like it, but it could happen.
0: But you're you're a Reds fan, and I wanted and when uh, Gabe came on the podcast, who's a diehard Philly fan, I asked how you would feel how the Phillies are going to do. So, how do you think the Reds are going to do this season?
1: Well, I think the, the you you know the sports teams that I follow, and and traditionally they're usually fairly good. Certainly when I was younger, but the Reds—it's been a long time since they've been competitive, and they finally have. Spent some money to put what I consider a competitive team out there. One that I, you know, not just being a fan bias, I really think they have a shot to contend, you know, for a division champ uh, title. So it's kind of frustrating that it, the season's not happening. Um, you know, a shorter season means, you know, maybe the best teams don't win it. They, you know, the shorter the season, the more luck comes involved, or gets, somebody gets hot. So, you know, it, it's baseball to me. I, I've been telling people baseball to me is broken because it doesn't have, you know, the, the, the caps, the salary caps to make it competitive across the board. Now, I'm a small market fan, but it's true. I mean, we don't have a shot to win every year. And sometimes you go through droughts of six, seven years where you know you're not going to have a shot. And, um, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So it's like I want my team to be competitive every single year, not just one out of every 10 years.
0: Well, I can, I can sympathize with you being a Mets fan because they don't spend a lot of money. And I just wish the Mets would spend money because some of these teams have the financial flexibility to do it. I understand teams like the Padres don't, but even they're starting to spend a little money now. I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the salary cap. I, I, I wouldn't be upset if it came in, but I also wouldn't be mad if it never did come in too. But teams like the Yankees can go sign – Garrett Cole and trade for Gene Carlos Stanton in the same offseason. And I, I see how people get aggravated about that.
1: Well, I think the Padres are a great example because the Padres right now have what people, many consider the best minor league program, you know, stocked with prospects, but their window, if they don't have the money to keep them, their window is going to be a, like a four or five year window where these guys are going to get to the end of their contracts and they're not going to be able to keep them all, which that to me is the, the toughest pill to swallow is that if your minor league programs are developing prospects or you're drafting the right people, you know you should have the ability to keep them. And in this in this setup, you know you can keep them until you have while you have control of them. But as soon as you don't have control of them, you know the Yankees and the Dodgers and those teams are just going to come in and take the best of your best, and and you start over again.
0: Football so, is a prime example. Basketball. Man.
1: Kind of, you know, they account for that. They, you know, they have the caps and then football, they have the comp- compensatory picks and things like that, that kind of at least you have some payoff for losing prospects. You know, they have the comp- baseball does have the competitive balance picks, but you know, the draft in baseball is not a sure thing. So getting a, a top 40 pick in baseball is still not a, a sure thing like it is in, in, in football.
0: Definitely, because you have guys like Mike Piazza who was in like, I don't even remember, the 300th round. Or, and then you have guys that are the first round pick that never pan out. And the yeah. Mets have actually had both happen to them. Now, you're a coach. I've said many times I'm mad about none of the Astro players getting suspended, especially Altuve. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Please.
1: Well, I think I'm going to have a different opinion than probably most people that you've talked to. Um, to me coaching and athletics and sports, you know, competitive sports um, is all about finding advantages. Um, So it's all about how you get that advantage and I think how you relay it to your players. So I know that the the Astros kind of crossed the line with using video, Um, but I I don't have much of a problem with it beyond that. As a coach, I think you're, you're always, trying to find an advantage. I know personally, I'm always on the, my radar is always up trying to figure out advantages with anything I can get. And I'm also monitoring what I think the other teams have advantages on us about. So um, there's teams, you know, we throw signs, you know, we throw a lot of signs. There's teams that I know have our signs. Um, There's teams that we know their signs and it's a, it's always a trying to find an edge. And when it gets to be crossing the line, that's when the rules come in. You know, there's lots of rules that have been put in place as times go on um, to take, a, take those things that people feel are really unfair away. So, you know, if they were found that they were had their players, you know, with earpieces in or the clickers on their chest like they talked about, that would be a completely different story to me. I think that's way over the line. But they – you know they found the signs which you know they use the the video which is bad but they still had to communicate the signs to their batters which the other teams could hear as well they could have picked up on it the batters still had to hit those pitches which is not an easy thing to do um and now people found out about it and they and if the, the consensus is that's over the line they'll they, they'll put more rules in place to take that away and and we move on but I don't have as big of an issue with it. You know, every era of baseball probably had its cheating. Mm -hmm. Talk about the shot heard around the world. You know, that was tipped a a tip pitch from a light from the scoreboard. So it, it's not something brand new. Um, But I I don't have as hard of feelings towards the Astros as other people do. I think people are probably more upset that they didn't think of themselves. Mm -hmm. And, I can tell you, we have one of my favorite stories to tell along these lines is when um, I first started coaching high school. I was an assistant um, with Coach Galusi, and we were playing Easton, which is one of our local rivals. And we figured out about halfway through the game that their first base coach was tipping the pitches, our pitches to their batters. But we were doing well. I mean, our pitcher was kind of shutting them down, so. We knew that they knew, but we were doing well. So we kind of let it ride, and we won that game. And then we we met them later in the year, the last game of the year, where they needed to win it to to advance into the playoffs. We were already secure in the playoffs, and we had the same pitcher out there. And for the majority of the game, the coach was still tipping the pitchers to the batters, and our pitcher was still getting them out. And we had a, a parent who was a former coach coming down to our dugout and kind of say to us, hey, their first base coach is tipping the pitches. And Coach Galusi and I looked at each other. We're like, yeah, we kind of know, but we're doing well. Like, their batters don't seem to be handling getting this information. But we decided to change the signs, and the first base coach stopped tipping the pitches, and our pitchers started getting hit around. You know, so it changed. When their batters were trying to think about what their coach was saying and trying to hit the baseball, they couldn't do it. But once they went back to just seeing and reacting, they started hitting us. So it's not that great of an advantage. Now, I will say this. A professional hitter is a lot different than a high school hitter. So I can't speak to that part, but um, I'm not as strongly against what happened than most of – and I've heard your guests talk about it. I've heard you talk about it. I'm just not that fired up about it.
0: Yeah, exactly the, the one thing really that that fires me up is like now that you take a look at the hall of fame and they won't let pete rose in and i'm i'm a guy that's like well if pete rose is betting on his team to win why why can't he go in i just he's i think the best hitter that ever played major league baseball of yeah i
1: mean you're games. you're certainly talking to a reds fan here and and certainly grew up in that era you know of the big red machine and, and pete rose and joe morgan and you know, gambling was a big thing. It, it, it hurt the game in the, in the early 1900s. And that some of those rules were put in place because of that. But, uh, you know, imagine today with all the legalized gambling. And if somebody, you know, imagine also like the NFL with everybody that has a fantasy football team that plays in the NFL. Um, you know, Pete supposedly never bet on them to lose, which would be a different story. He always bet on when he thought they were going to win. And, you know, I just think what he's done for the game has definitely outweighs what he has done against the game. So, I, you know, i certainly vote, vote for him to be in the Hall of Fame. And I hope they don't wait till he passes away and then put him in. Well,
0: one other thing I don't like about Major League Baseball is they, they don't mind dragging him out on like a Reds day when they bring <laughs> back the team. And then you see he's out there sounding on for, for $50, you can go meet Pete Rose. And it's like, well, then put him in the Hall of Fame already. If you're already – if you let him in the Reds Hall of Fame, you have to let him in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, and Pete's his own worst enemy at times. You know, he says some yeah. things that get him in trouble, but I agree with you. When Major League Baseball needed him, they 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 drag him out on the field and make a, make him a big part of something, but they won't let him coach the game, you know, be an instructor in, in spring training, you know, any of that. He, he has to – pay his way into games and and even the mlb network had him on as a host for a while so it's like he has things to offer and and i don't have a problem if his plaque has an asterisk on it and it says you know it was banned due to gambling it it actually might be a educational piece that kids can learn going down the road that why is that there you know what did he do and then people can explain why it was so bad but What he's done for the game, you know, Charlie Hustle and and the way he played the game, uh, I think it deserves to be recognized.
0: Well, as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens' numbers go up, and I'll say this as a Met fan, Mike Piazza was also around steroids. Too always had his name around it. Once Barry Bonds goes in, he's only two percentage points away, and he has four years left and three. I think you have to put Pete Rose in. I mean, he cheated too in a way. And he gets everything good for him. And he was allowed to coach the Marlins as a hitting coach.
1: (laughs) That's, that's very true. Yeah. Every era has its like, you know, it's different. And every era has its uh, ways of getting an advantage. It goes back to that. And, you know, when they first happen, uh, I think people are really shocked by it, but um, you know, the steroids is a, is a, a, a one that I struggle with more because it, you know, it, being a high school coach, I didn't want my players hearing stories of how Mark McGuire was helped by using steroids because we know how bad steroids can be for you. So that was a, that's, a, that's a different animal to me because I don't want my players thinking that's the way they have to go. And I'm sure that there were people who, you know, s- sacrificed their body just because they wanted some fame in baseball and did the steroids, and you know those stories are out there, and that's the really bad part of the steroid issue is, you know, if you, if you tune on a TV and you see Barry Bonds and, and you kind of know in the background he is as good as he is because partially because of the steroids, then young kids may follow that as, as a way to get to the big, big leagues, and that's, that's a dangerous thing.
0: Exactly. And Gary Carter did steroids when he was at the Expos, and he died of brain cancer. So you know that's – I think that had partially something to do with it, his family said, because I was watching a documentary on the Mets SNY channel, and they said, well, he did it up until the last season he played, and, and he got sick later in life. And I just – it's not worth it, in my opinion, steroids.
1: Yeah, and you, you think – now you compare that now to what the Astros did, and, you know, what they did is not impacting – youth out there thinking, you know, potentially harming themselves by going down that path. I just don't think the, the Astros scandal is on the same level as some of these other, you know, issues that that sports has dealt with. And I could be wrong, but, you know, I like I said, I I just think it's your responsibility. If I'm in that stadium now, I know it's hard to hear, but if I'm hearing banging, I'm starting to think, well, what is that? What is – and then I start putting one and one together or two and two together. And eventually, you know, you're going to figure it out, I would think. I would hope. And, and if you figure it out, the cool thing about sports is you can use it to your advantage. And that's another thing that, like I mentioned earlier, I know teams know some of our signs. And if I can beat those teams and I give them what they think is an advantage, I'm going to wait till a time where I need that advantage and I'm going to use those signs against them. I'm going to use them, use that when they think a fastball is coming and they've been thinking that for a couple of years now and we didn't care about it because we could still beat them. But when I need that advantage, we're going to switch those signs that day or in those critical moments and let them think something's coming when something else. So I'm going to use it against them. And that's why I don't really, care about switching them up at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. who knows and who doesn't. We think we know, I should say, but we have a good idea.
0: We, hey, I, I've been there, and we've been winning the past few years when they know our signs. We're, we have the best coaching staff, I say, in the Lehigh Valley. I, when I was interviewed last year after a Legion game, they said, well, who do you think has the best high school staff? And I said, ours. And I said, I'm not just saying that because I'm there. Because we have a pitching coach that sent multiple pitchers to the, to the MLB, we have a hitting coach that played in the MLB. We have a catcher's coach and also a hitting coach that played in the MLB. And then we have one of the best high school and legion coaches as our head coach. I mean, that's – I just believe that personally.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that, Ben. I, I, I agree that we – you know, I've always learned – well, when I was a young assistant, I've learned that the best way to be a head coach is surround yourself with the best and smartest people you know and let them coach and that's what i believe in you know i i'm never afraid of hiring somebody that may be smarter than me or maybe no more in baseball than me because i'd be you know like some people are afraid well they'll just get the credit or or they'll take over my job that's not the way to go about it you hire the best and smartest people you know and you let them do their job and i i, I love our coaching staff i think you know they're they're in it for the right reasons when we win you know, the coaches kind of take a step back. And when we lose, I think the coaches take a step forward. And I think that's an important part of being a good coach. You know, if you're there, when the, when, you know, they always say, I always say players win and coaches lose. And I think that's the way I approach things. When we win, it's because we had good players. And when we lose, I look at it as I failed, And I think all of our coaches kind of look at it that way. Like what else could we have done to make, make, make us better? And when we win, you just kind of step back and let the players um, have the glory because they deserve it. And um, so I'm I'm appreciative that you say that. You know, there's a lot of good coaches in the Lehigh Valley, but I do like our coaching staff.
0: In my opinion, it, it's a no. We've won the most championships, and I, I'm. You're never going to change my opinion on that. As far as I go in this coaching thing, you're never. Even the head coach before that, yeah. The assistant, the assistant staff was even better because there were good assistance before you took over as the head coach that had to weave.
1: Yes. Yeah, we had we've had good people through the program and I think they all did it for the right reasons, which is important. And you know, and I I don't want to, you know, like the people like saying that people know our signs, you know, I don't want to get obviously we're not just running around like letting people know our signs, but there mm-hmm. are a couple teams that we know know what's our some of our pitch calls are, what are some of our bunts and steals. And, you know, we, if a crucial, crucial situation comes up, you know, we have ways around it. But I'm just trying to make a point that if somebody knows something about you, you can use it to your advantage as well. And, um, and, I, and I think a good competitor and I think a good coach would take those things and take advantage of it. You know, like, like in football, if people think a certain play is coming – and you let them, you know, maybe you tip your play by some formation, and for seventy percent of the game, they kind of expect it. But when you get late in the game, you can run a, a, you know, let them think the play's coming and run something different. You use it to your advantage, and I think that's what good coaches can do.
0: Exactly, and I just want to get your thoughts because I brought it up. Legion, I'm, I'm kind of scared that Legion won't be around much longer, and I just, it's. A lot of it has to do with the travel ball, but a lot of it, and I've said this before on the podcast, has to do with the people in charge because they're not running it correctly. I I understand they don't have a lot of money, but I I went out to the state tournament, and the way they put us made a lot of the kids mad. And then, like, the the umpiring and the rules, a lot of the rules are just way – are a little too old, I guess, for the times. Even I thought some of them were a little – weird and I try to consider myself as just go with it. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because I know junior Legion isn't doing well and senior Legion's not so, – two teams had to drop out last year in our division. So I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I, when, when I was a player back in the, in the late 80s, Legion baseball I felt was better than high school baseball because there were actually more players – playing legion than they were in high school you know i think even um, in the high school that, that i went to some of our top players decided not to play high school they, they did other sports in the spring and then they waited for the legion season and now that's turned completely opposite um, travel ball has you know eaten away at legion baseball and i think legion baseball the people who run it have always been used to being the big game in town. And now they need to kind of change and figure out ways to attract players to stay in the Legion program. Um, And they're struggling with that, like figuring out how to um, keep the brand good enough that the players want to play. But if you think about it, if you're a a high school age kid and then the summer comes up and your Legion team might be a little weak, you know, or like a 500 team and you have an opportunity to go and travel instead, you know, most of the kids are opting to go travel because they know they probably can't win a state championship or a league championship. So what ends up happening in Legion right now is the, is the teams who know they're going to be good and you are part of one of them, they can keep their players. And then all the other programs are losing their players because, you know, they just don't think they can compete. Plus, you know, the, the whole, issue of being seen by colleges so uh, it's it's tough i I think you're right that legion's in trouble i think they can come out of this if they do some creative thinking um i think they have to involve more showcase type events that their players if you sign up and play for legion you know you're going to be able to be seen by a certain amount of coaches and you needed to make it a little bit more um you know, competitive on a day-to-day basis so players see the quality of the league that it used to be. It's, it's tough, to, tough to watch. And I don't like hearing where certain players don't show up for, for weeks at a time and then when the playoffs come, they show up. You know, I don't think that's – I had to deal with that. Yeah, like I don't think that's what sports is intended to be teaching people. Sports should be – it's not about getting a scholarship. I mean, most of the people playing Legion Baseball are not – or even Showcase Baseball are not going to end up with a scholarship but they can all get life lessons. And if you're, if you're somebody that can just show up, you know, at the playoffs and all of a sudden go into the lineup, what, do you, what are you teaching that, that player? And what are you teaching the player who filled in for the whole season and now gets bumped to the back of the, back to the bench? So um, I hope Legion can figure it out because as a high school coach, tournament ball is, is great in, in some regards where it's, you know, some of our players get to play against some really good competition, but it doesn't teach the team game, you know, we're mm-hmm. not trying to move runners or bunt people over or hitting behind a runner because they're out there trying to get those saber metrics that you're talking about. They're trying to get the on uh you know, on a radar gun or on a exit velocity measurement, you know, they're not going to want to do that. You know, I always say to, a pitcher, if you could go to a game and you knew you could throw majority change-ups to beat a team, and that's the way you have to beat the team, would you do that in a showcase? And they would say no because they want to light up the radar gun versus try to get people out. And thats I would love to see a nice blend of tournament baseball and you know, local baseball like Legion. I think that's the best for, for players to get a mix of both play with your friends, play for your community, understand what it means to have a whole season where every game counts, you know, in tournament. Every weekend it kind of starts over for them. And then also expose yourself to the better players, go play against the better players to, you know, and and play amongst your peers to try to get some exposure in in some tournaments as well.
0: I I will say this. The one tournament I did like in Legion, I, I didn't like the state tournament. Uh, well the competition league was easy we ran through the league easily but regionals all every night was competitive and I know because I had a big influence on what the head coach of the South Parkland team did he trusts me a lot and that's why I also have a special place in my heart with Legion because as much as high school helped me get into college to coach Legion I got to do some of it on my own and learn from some mistakes I made but Every game was emotional. Every player was into it, and the competition was great.
1: Yeah, and I, that region, you know, in the Berks County area and, and Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania, they do have some really strong programs that are doing it the right way. Um, you know, and that historically that Region 2 champion has done very well in the, in the state championship. Um, so I agree with you. I would just love to see it. For as a coach, you know, I don't want my players going in the summer where they play 20 games that are not competitive and they have one tournament that is competitive where they actually have to play the game the right way to win. You know, I want to see them play 40 games in the summer that they have to do things the right way all the way through. And that's what I'm talking about. We need to get those other teams up to the caliber because they used to be. I mean, what you're talking about, Ben, the caliber that you saw at that region, that's the way every night was in the Lehigh Valley League you know, years ago. It was like that every time. Every game was like that, similar to the way high school is. You know, We can get beat every game in high school. Every, somebody can beat us. And I think in the summer, I don't know if you would have thought that. Um,
0: not to be mean to the other teams, because I, I spoke to a lot of the coaches. They were all very nice people. But at least in the league, I didn't think we were going to lose except to – probably North Parkland when they came to us, to, when it was our home game. That one, That's when I was like, we could lose this. But after that, I was just like, no, we can go 17-1, which we basically didn't lose in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I just hope to see, you know, I, I want to see the competitive day-to-day stuff. I, obviously, I can't travel around this you know, the country watching all of our players as they split up into tournament teams. So we still recommend our players play Legion baseball and local baseball with a blend of tournament. (laughs) And, um, but I do want to see the caliber of competition that they're playing against get better. So I'm really hopeful that Legion gets a, makes a resurgence and, and becomes the product that it used to be. It may take a long time to do that, but I'm hopeful.
0: And it's sad because I, I want my league to be competitive. I, I didn't like those games where we were winning ate nothing and we had no competition. I thought those were boring. I'm a guy that likes competition.
1: Yeah. And if you're, if you're a true competitor, that is what you want. You want to be challenged and you want to have your hard work show by, you know, having to do things right to win. Those are the most rewarding games you remember as a, as a athlete, as a competitor. So I think, you know, and it'll eventually hurt even, you know, the South Parkland's program. If the, Players don't feel like the caliber of competition is is good enough. You know, they'll stop playing as well. So we it's important that we turn it around quickly. So, you know, and maybe maybe with the this virus and and you know the pandemic that we're in, people will think twice about traveling and staying in hotels. And maybe Legion will become a more um, more popular choice again. Um, I just I just missed the com- community involvement where. You could go to a Legion game and Copley's playing uh, South Parkland and the place is packed because you're representing Whitehall and you're representing Parkland. And um, it just doesn't seem to be that way. It doesn't get the coverage in the newspapers like it used to. You don't even you know, know when some of the games are. And I, I miss those days of being able to look in the paper in the morning and go, hey, I'm going to check out this game and go watch. Even if it wasn't a Parkland team, they may as play at Whitehall or something like that.
0: The only time we got the coverage I thought we needed was during the regional tournament. That's when everyone, all the papers came to us. And that's when it was sold out every night. And you'd buy a ticket for like $10. People would stay and watch all the games. Yeah. We, were, we played the state champions last year. I don't, I don't remember their name. But when we beat them, the, the place was, half the place was booing. And the other half of the place was cheering. I'm like, see, that's what I wanted from. Yeah. That's what I was sort of promised with Legion a little
1: bit. Yes, yes, I agree, and that's what it should be. And I hope, I hope it gets back to that on a you know on a week to week basis in the local leagues before you have to wait to a regional playoff to to get that experience because that is what you want. You want a packed house with some people booing at you and some people cheering for you, and you know, and everybody kind of having a good time. You know not crossing over the line, but yep. you want them to be passionate about it. And if you don't have passionate fans, it becomes, you know, a scrimmage basically.
0: Yeah. And it, I just don't know. I mean, I, I've heard rumors from two people that work with Legion that they might want to combine North and South Park in which I, I don't know about that. I mean. Yeah,
1: why, w- why would you do that? You took two of the strongest programs in the league and now you're going to put them together.
0: I know, and that's what I, that's what I said to the guy. And he said, well, you know, if we put two – I was like, why do you want to put them together when it's like now they really don't have a chance to win? I mean, because yeah. I think Parkland's the best, at least for Legion. We send the best crop of players in our league.
1: Well, I think we have a lot of players, and I think, you know, we as a coaching staff at the high school do, you know, encourage the players to play Legion. That's where we kind of want to see them do, you know, go. And um and like I said, dabble in the in some tournaments there. I, I will say it's harder and harder though, to recommend it though, when I watch some of the competition. So I'm hoping that um, you know it does pick up I, I not take the Parklands and split them in the three, you know, or four. you might have four competitive teams. And bring some teams back in it. I wouldn't combine them into one. I mean, if you're combining them into one, you're doing it for one reason, and that's to be, to win a state championship for the league. You know, mm-hmm. if the Lehigh Valley League can say they had a state champion, but I don't see the you know what's the great thing about that. I think it's more important about producing players and having a product that people want to come out and see. And so, yeah, I would that would be a tough thing to to watch if they combine it.
0: Now there are rumors of that eventually they may have to build another high school, so how would that be for sports? Would that mean that we go down a class and there'd be two baseball teams, two football teams, or
1: yeah I would I mean that everything in the, as far as levels is based off of population of you know male athletes, female athletes, so however they divide the school up if that ever happens, you know maybe. You know, maybe you would have a 3A school or a a 4A school and a 5A school. Maybe you would have two 5As. Who knows? It depends on the numbers. You could still even potentially have two 6A schools. But it's all based off of numbers, and they divide it up. The state does that, like, every four years, I believe, they kind of look at the population of athletes and and divide it up that way. So, um, you know, I don't know if that'll happen or not in, in my tenure at Parkland, but I understand, you know, where it's going. And you have to think about things like that even, you know, my kids, go, my girls are, are you know, um, 12 and, and 10 and I see opportunities that they don't get. they're not athletes, um, but even just being in a student government or, you know, school plays and things like that. It's just, it's a big school and opportunities would be better if it was smaller, but I don't think that's going to happen, and I'm, I'm fine with it being the way it is, um, just knowing that, you know, it's a tough school. If you make the baseball team at Parkland, you're, you're a good player. I mean, it's not just, hey, we're looking for bodies. We're going to be cutting good players, and um, because of that, it's very competitive. It certainly makes us, you know, solid program every year, um, but it does take away – Opportunities for some talented players
0: oh yeah the, the cuts i have seen it, it, it take a lot of stress i, I i've been in, <laughs> i've been I've been there and it's unfortunate for some players because there are some players if it was a smaller score if they even transferred to whitehall they'd be an easy pick to make to make the team
1: yeah I, I, well i mean Whitehall's a good program too um certainly there's players that we cut that are good enough to play even in college and um the thing that upsets me with the pandemic is we had to go through the cutting process. And then almost the day after we got done with cuts, that's when they said, okay, the season's over. I have stopped it two days before. And we would have been had a lot more friends instead of everybody that we upset by having to make decisions.
0: The only baseball games we got to do this year, are scrimmages that, that's how much kids that
1: try out. Yeah. And there is still talk of a potential tournament, in August, that they're 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 trying to get organized for, for the high school rosters. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but that is something that they're trying to do here in the Lehigh Valley. I'll miss
0: high, I'll miss high school though. It, high school was a lot of fun to be a part of.
1: Well, I, I think high school. You're representing your community. You're you're battling with your friends. You know. I think there's some that just never will happen again for people as they go on. You know, obviously you can go to college and be a part of that program. It's, but for many players, they won't get that opportunity to play in college. I think the really cool thing for me is we, you mentioned, you know, we have some players that are right now in the, in the minor leagues, and we have some players that are playing division one and division two and division three. And, they all still check in with me to find out how the high school teams going, And whenever they get a chance to come back, I always, and you've been there, I've asked them, you know, what's the most fun you've had playing? And, and they all kind of always say, well, I I can go, if I could go back to high school, I would do that in a heartbeat, you know, because I think, you know, it's still the last, the last hope of playing, representing your community, playing with your friends that you've grown up with and, and competing against. Communities local here that that it means something to them.
0: Definitely, definitely. That's why I was the most, like most upset when we didn't when our season got canceled. I was like, oh man, I'll, I'll never get to be around the coaching staff, even even the players, because these are. I know some players are saying, "Well, this is like your friend group, basically. You train together, you have intramurals together, and then you play together. This is the, the kids you're around, pretty much all year, minus September."
1: Yeah. And we put them through the worst part of the season, right? We put them (laughs) through the lifting. We put them through the intramurals. We put them through the trial process. We put them through all that stress and they, the players who made it through were going to get to the point where they could get the reward of wearing the uniform and going out in the field. And they took it, took that away. Well, I mean, I understand why, you know, I should say the the virus took that away. Um, Yeah. And for me, you know you know how much time the coaches put in you've done it yourself the last 3 4 years the coaching staff becomes my extended family so they're my they're my best friends during during this time they're my best friends out of this time but i don't get to see them either i don't really have that life that um you know I, my life in the spring is I go to work, I come home, you know, go right to the baseball field. We have a game or a practice. You, then we sit around, we talk about what just happened at the game of the practice Then we go home and we text about what just happened at the game or practice. And then we decide what we're going to do next tomorrow, you know, so that's all, that's all gone. So it's like, man, I'm, I'm really missing it. And, um, you know, uh, this, you had mentioned that right around now would be our district playoff time, which My is favorite time of the year. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the days that, you know, you make memories on on days like this, winning games at this time of year.
0: I'd say other than that one where we uh, won in the first round of districts, I guess when I was a sophomore, when we were down and we made that comeback in the seventh, I think going up to, I think it was Scranton, that was, that's my, I guess, my biggest memory is because we had the doubleheader and everyone was together. We didn't get home till late. And then we went out and did stuff together. Like, that's something like, I'll never forget it. I think it was uh George told me he was like, All right, now that you're here, you're gonna have I'm gonna take you, and then we're gonna go eat, and then I'm gonna take you home, and then we're gonna call and you're gonna tell me what what I think I should do better, I'm gonna tell you what I think you should do better. And I'm like, Well, okay. And then he's like, then we're gonna sit together, and then we're gonna do our homework together. That's just what I miss the most.
1: Yeah, I I agree. That's what I mean. Like those are memories that that people will never you know, they'll have for the rest of their lives. Those are the days we had to get up that day at five in the morning, get on a bus, drive an hour north to find a field that was dry enough to, to play a game on. And then we had to win a doubleheader, basically, um, to win a championship. And then it was just a great, I'll never forget that day and, and all the people who played a part in that championship. And it was outside of, you know, our, our trainer at the time he had a great plan for us as far as how to eat, how to hydrate, how to stay ready for the, the long day. It was, it was just really a, a great day for us. And, you, and you're right. You come home from that and you, it should be exhausted, but you're not because you're so amped up about what just happened. And I think back of that, I see a pictures as I'm sitting here in my office, I have a picture of it right here, straight ahead of me, of, of us doing the ground rules of that game. And that'll probably never leave my office.
0: That, that was a fun game. And in the next round in districts, we had to make a big comeback in the seventh. That, that was fun too.
1: Yeah, Those are I the mean, games I miss. Yeah. You, those games are not as much fun for the head coach, but, but I understand where you're coming from when you come out on the good side of it. Uh, but, you know, every once in a while, I would like for us to have an easy win, but we never seem to do that. It's, it's too competitive of a league. And, um you know, I would have a couple more hair on the top of my head if we would not wait until the seventh inning to start doing some things.
0: Yeah, and then I, I was lucky enough where I got to see some – be friends with the players, and then I got to be in the in, on the coaches' aspect, and then I got some good friends on the coaching aspect who I obviously have a ton of respect for. But even right before the pandemic, Coach Spade and I were laughing and he was, we were joking about stuff, and then I'm like, Oh well, it's only going to be two weeks, and then they cancel. I'm like, oh man, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that
1: now. Like
0: I thought I had a little more time.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I was not looking for. You know, I, I've I've really come to really appreciate what you bring to the program, and and I've always thought about, man, I do not want Ben's, you know, senior year coming up because I didn't want that to end, and it kind of just ended without, you know an opportunity to kind of even have that senior year. So, you know, but you know you're always welcome. As long as I'm coaching somewhere, you got a spot on the staff if you uh if that's what you want to do.
0: Oh well, thank, thank you. That that means a lot. And obviously I've learned a lot from you and the assistants too. I mean they they put a lot of time with me. I mean Coach Barron, Coach Spade, and Coach Barthol come to mind. I'm Kiles, Coach too. Yeah. Since I He really took me under his wing the one year I was with him. Taught me how to hit fungos.
1: I think you did have a very unique perspective in that you could see, you know, and hear some of the conversations that we were having. And I hope that the one thing you take away from that is you realize how much we care about all of our players. You know, I think – decisions that we make sometimes may seem cold to the players, you know, like they just hear the announcement or the lineup on the board. But I think you got to see how much, you know, we want everyone on that roster to succeed. We want everyone on that roster to, you know, enjoy themselves and, and see the reward of what they put into. I, I would hope that's what you saw. but
0: um, I, I did. I, I, I did. I saw the, how much time and, in- I think stress you put on yourself just to make a lineup because the one to 21 got 21 is really good or whatever 19, whatever it was. And I even saw it down at the JV level. The one time, the one time I was down there. I mean, we have a great JV staff too with coach Moyer and all those, all the assistants he has. They, they, everyone in the, on the coaching side of the program puts a lot of effort in to make the program the best it could be. And the players too. I'm,
1: yeah. I- Yeah, we have great – you know, we're a big school, and a lot of times people will say, well, you can win because of your numbers. And I think that – I mean, there's some truth to that in that we get competition and tryouts, but that diminishes the effort that the players put in, and I don't like to hear that because I know how hard they work, and I know how hard we work them. You know, I I know it's not easy to be in our program, but I do know this. If you get it through our program, you're going to – know how to play baseball and you're going to play it the right way and I think generally our guys that go away to play college the coaches usually come back to me and say do you have any more guys like that you know because of the work ethic and their attitude towards the game so um, yeah it's it's not easy to be on the on, in our program but I hope you know the rewards pay off and not only in baseball but in life too and, you know I think our I'm equally happy or satisfied when I hear about a player that made it through our program, that's doing well in school or gets a, gets a nice job or is doing well in their profession outside of baseball, because I know how much baseball and life, you know, kind of mirror each other. You can really have a lot of life lessons in baseball that um, can help you through life.
0: Exactly. And I, another thing I, I'm excited my draft expert, I got to see him every day, third period. So it was like, it wasn't like in school I'd get a break. It was once he found out I had a study hall, he's like, you're going to come here, right? And I'm like, I, yeah. And he's like, I'll just write you a pass. It's no big deal. And you can come here whenever you want. And it's like the one day I didn't come, I, I forgot to tell him I had a test. He was a little like, where were you? You can't just. So I, I, I was lucky in that aspect too. I had a in-school coach that always kind of
1: made sure to teach. I will say this. The probably the biggest disappointment to me with the pandemic has been that you couldn't have him on as a guest before the draft um, because I know how much time he puts into that. And I, I actually spent, you know, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the draft texting with him, kind of getting his insight on what was going to happen. And um, I just wish you would have been able to get him on your show. Well, you know, next year you get him on your show.
0: Oh, man, he, he was disappointed because I didn't realize you could do this on Zoom yet till just recently, and then I obviously had a test guest on, and that, that turned out good, the quality at least. And I'm, we're, I'm trying to get him on. I, I, I am. We're working on it a little bit.
1: Yeah, he'll, he'll be, um, you know, he'll be a good guest, and he does a lot of work in the draft. And, um being an eagles fan.
0: Oh, yeah, don't remind me.
1: He kind of, you know, his opinion of things changes as as he kind of puts his eagle hat on, but um he he had some good advice. I followed his board that he he produced as I watched the draft and and he did a good job. So um I'm anxious to to hear him on the podcast when you get him. Oh, he he's
0: excited, but all right, to end the podcast, I always like to have a little rapid-fire questions that I don't tell the guests. It's, about, it's not about baseball. It's about your favorite movie or football. So where, where do you think the Cowboys are going to be this season? Because experts don't have them being very favorite. It's going to be another Eagles division in their eyes.
1: I think that the Cowboys have done a, a really good job this offseason. Um, it'll be very interesting, though, what this uh, – you know, the, the pandemic has done to them as far as having a new coaching staff. I think advantage in this situation goes with those veteran teams that return their coaches and their, their key players. So I think that'll hurt them a little bit. But they did a good job in the draft. I, I think the Eagles probably are a little bit ahead of them because of their consistency with their coaching and their players.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, the Eagles coaching staff, they always find a way to get their team in the playoffs, even however they're beat up. And my, my expert can't wait to tell me that on the podcast. <laughs> um, favorite baseball team, Major League Baseball team growing up?
1: Uh, Cincinnati Reds. You know, the big red machine, the, the grade eight. That was definitely my team. My dad was a Yankees fan. I was uh, like in the seven, early 70s, late mid-70s when I was um, a young kid. The Reds were kind of battling the Yankees, and, and that, they, they've been my team ever, ever since.
0: All right. You're a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. So what is your opinion on the New York Knicks? Are they ever going to turn it around?
1: I don't know, Ben. I don't know. I, every time I kind of think they have a decent plan going forward, things just don't work out for them. Um, you know, and I couldn't – you know, they had that Jordan special on I didn't watch one minute of the Jordan special because of what he did to, to our Knicks in his career. I couldn't watch a, a minute of it. I didn't. I avoided it at, at every opportunity I, I had. Me, me too. I have the least amount of all the four major sports, I have the least amount of confidence in the Knicks turning things around than I do of all my other sports teams.
0: Uh, me, me, me too. and I. <laughs> It's just because, like, it's hard to watch. Like, I I get that channel for free, and it's like when I turn it on, I'm like they're they're winning by one point at halftime, and then at the end of the game they're losing by, like, 20. And I'm like – and they always have to change coaches too, which also is like every other year it's a new coach. And I'm like, okay. Eventually they're going to have to turn it around.
1: Yeah. They need something to fall in their place where they, you know, they get lucky with the draft. But I don't know. They – they just can't seem to get out of their own way. It's tough to tough to be a fan. And do you think it needs New York to the the mecca to be rocking and, and like competitive games there? That's what the sport needs. It just it's tough to watch.
0: Definitely, I, the Nets have finally turned it around. But I mean, as much as the Nets are good, they're they're not the Knicks. Yeah, right. Right. And it's just like I. I want the Knicks to turn around, but when people say to sell the team, I'm kind of on board with that one. Or maybe they, maybe Dolan should sell the team.
1: Well, yeah, I, I can't. It's embarrassing when some fans heckle him a little bit, and he gets them thrown out and suspended from the from the stadium. I mean, just like we talked about, if you're a true competitor and you want half that stadium to be booing you and half of them to be cheering you, and you want to be to have to prove yourself, he doesn't want to do that. You know, he's. He's part of this. He's part of it, the equation. And so if they boo him, you know what? Use that as motivation, and he you, you deserves it the way they've played lately. But to be able to just sit there and throw people out and suspend them and take their season tickets away, you know, I, I, that's embarrassing. It is. And
0: I, I obviously – when they say to sell the Mets franchise, I'm on, I'm on board. But the Knicks franchise, if they say – I'm really on board with that one because I, I, I just <laughs> – at least the Mets don't throw out their fans. I'll, I'll say that. At least they'll take yeah. it.
1: Well, I guess we hope Leon Rose is the is the savior here. I, mean, <laughs> I hear a lot of good things about people. People respect him in the in the community of of basketball. So, and I think it's interesting he hasn't done any public comp, press conference yet. You know, I think he knows people don't want to just hear things anymore. They just get it done. Get it done. Fix it.
0: Well, I will say with the, M- with the NBA's reporting with their, um, to get their season started up, if it even happens, it would allow the first 14 teams to get in, and I, I think the Knicks are number 14 on the list. So they would get in the playoffs.
1: <laughs> well, I'm afraid it will be a short stay.
0: It-, it-, it would be, but at least it would finally break the drought.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Um. To finish it, all right, two questions. You get back at baseball and then we'll I'll wrap it up. Uh, one thing you'd like to change about Major League Baseball, one rule you don't like.
1: Well, I mean, is it – can I use the salary cap? I go back to that where I'd like to see a salary cap in baseball so that it's equal mm-hmm. in field for all franchises. Um, you know – I don't have a rule per se, but I think, you know, you talked about shifts. The one thing that bothers me is that people don't take advantage of the shifts as hitters. You know, I, I don't get, you know, I understand certain guys hit home runs, you know, and they don't want people trying to hit a ball, the opposite field to get a base hit when they maybe hit a home run. But these guys, the best guys hit 40 home runs out of 600 at bats. So I would love to see guys uh, have the mindset. uh, I'm just going to burn the, earn the shift and get a base hit and, and kind of be on base for somebody else to do some damage.
0: Well, especially with rallies. I'll say this about the shift. I see um, guys like, does Joey Votto still bunt sometimes to get a base hit? Because yeah, he yeah, used to a few years ago. check
1: swings that he does.
0: Jeff McNeil comes to mind as a Met fan when he has this – when there's no one playing third base, he'll just pop a bunt. Down. I like the bunt personally. I know some of the new players or new fans don't like the bunt. I enjoy the bunt. It starts around.
1: Yeah, and this guy's before your time, but, and he wasn't, you know, wasn't a, a particular fan favorite of mine. Was, but Mike Schmidt was one of the premier players in the league. And for those of you, for those out there listening that remember him playing, when he was struggling, he was not afraid to drag bunt every once in a while. And it was certainly not his game, but, you know, you get an at bat or a hit in the hit column. It helps your confidence a little bit, starts a little bit of a rally, and it's just part of the game that that the guys today just don't seem to want to ever, ever do. They just want to swing as hard as they can and try to hit a home run. And, you know, and like I said, 40 out of 600 times they do it. Exactly.
0: And it also brings the strikeouts up, and I uh, I think strikeouts are boring. Yeah. As much as Jacob DeGrom does it and Sonny Gray might do it, it to me yeah. – I Once a week, it's okay to see a 20 strikeout game from Jacob DeGrom, but every day when it's like, oh, well, this is getting a little ridiculous here.
1: Yeah, unless you got a guy like Nolan Ryan who who might strike out 20 in a game, you know, those are the only guys that the strikeout is interesting because they might do something extremely special that day. Other than that, put the ball in play, get some action on the field, get guys moving around the bases, keep the game interesting for those fans. Exactly. I guess my one
0: rule is the DH. I, I don't want the DH to come to the National League. They can keep it in the American League. And I think what's the difference between the National League and the American League at that point? I think it also – I want there to be a difference, just one difference of, hey, when you come to our stadium for the World Series, your pitcher has to hit. That, that's just me, though. I, I,
1: I don't – I think what they should do is, you know, right now when they – american league team comes to the national league team they use the they use the pitcher as the hitter and i think they should do it opposite during the regular season so people get to see you know the different varieties because i think more people would understand why the hit the pitcher hitting is is kind of more strategic um and and make the pitchers be athletes you know these guys don't even hit for years in the minor leagues you know let them work on that and hit a little bit.
0: And they get paid the most amount of money out of almost any position. I mean, Garrett Cole makes, what is it, $30 million? And he only (laughs) has to pitch?
1: Yeah, and it's kind of ridiculous what, uh, if you break it down to per pitch, like what he gets paid. Exactly. What did you, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What did you think of Snell saying that he won't play for half pay? Did you see that? You I, I, that. I did. I, uh, what was your initial feeling?
0: I, uh, just for this season, I know the owners aren't going to make any money. I know the players have to make money, and I know they're going out there to make it a safety reason, But if MLB has all these safety measures in place, I would believe that just for – and you're not going to play the full season. The most you're going to play is about 80 games. I would be okay with it just for the season. I understand where he's coming from, but, but, but as a fan, Major League Baseball is already losing a lot of the ratings. They're not gaining new fans. And really the hardcore fans are left. And some of these hardcore fans, I'm always going to watch because my team usually stinks. But some of these hardcore fans may not come back if there's no baseball and they get queered to play if things get safer and we could have had a season. I don't think a lot of the fans would be happy about it
1: yeah I think personally I think it shows you how out of touch some of these guys are you know people are losing their jobs uh left and right right now people are being asked to take pay cuts people are being at, are getting furloughed in the real world um, you know and they're still going into their jobs. It's not like they could say you know what i'm not going I'm not going to go to my job and because they don't have the luxury, they don't have that all that money to be able to say, you know what, if you're only going to pay me half, I'm not going to do it. And so I think they need to check themselves a little bit with their audience because I know it was hard for me to hear that.
0: I know because my dad has a small business. I know right now he's at work today because he got the okay to go at the county, but it's been tough for us. And I guess one thing I'm looking forward to is. I guess, having that distraction. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, you make $8 million and you make about four or maybe – I mean, that's still enough to live off of for a season.
1: Yeah. How about – you, have you watched any of the Korean baseball league? I watched,
0: I watched a few innings. I know – what's his name? A major league player hit a home run the other day. Aaron Altair, uh, that's his name. Hit the home run. And it's interesting that there's nothing to watch. But nothing in my opinion will like, be as not to staying down and watching a Major League Baseball game. As much as I love the Giants, I would take watching baseball over football or any other sport any day of the week.
1: Yeah, I watched a little bit too, just to scratch an itch of enjoying baseball. And it's interesting to me to watch the different approaches that the Korean players have as far as hitting things that we would never teach here in the States, and you just watch them hit um so it's interesting it's tough though listening to a broadcast where the announcers don't have any control over what is being shown on the tv you know oh,
0: yeah.
1: it's it really makes me appreciate the coordination of the producers and what people are telling them in their ear you know they're they should they p- panda somebody in in the in the dugout and they have no idea who it is you know so they can't even say anything about them so it I, it, I appreciate the announcers a lot more and the whole production of a, of a game more now that I've watched a couple of the Korean games. Um, I,
0: I have watched before this some, some Japanese baseball because all these guys that are coming in, yeah. I do like watching it sometimes because guys like Otani comes to mind. He was from Japan, Tanaka. Those guys, have, have, I think one guy like once said they were pitching since they were 17 years old. And they kind of have the old fashioned way because they pitch a ton of innings and then they come to our league or America and they pitch only six innings and then they end up getting hurt.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you something.
0: That's why, when, when I when another thing Terry Collins said, which I thought was interesting, he said, You know, kid, if you're going to get an interview with these guys, you can't say that you want your guys to go nine innings. I know, I know you said you like seeing Johan Santana pitch that no hitter, but they don't throw 135 pitches anymore. And then – and they said that's kind of what cost me my job a little bit because I would argue with them, saying, well, these guys – my guys aren't getting hurt and they're pitching a lot.
1: <laughs> we – I was lucky enough as a younger coach to, to hear Leo Mazzoni talk um, and we got to ask him some questions after his speech, The you know, the great pitching coach of the Atlanta Braves. And um, he was saying, you know, like Marathon – runners don't practice marathons by sprinting. You know, he was basically an advocate of pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching and And you throw on your off days and that's what you should do, to keep yourself in shape. And so he did pretty good. And I do want to mention another story that he told us going back to the signs. You know, the video cameras caught the signs coming from the catcher in this Astros scandal. He told us that Greg Maddox used to call his games, he would tell the catcher what he wanted to throw by how he caught the throw coming back from the catcher. If his glove was up, he wanted a certain pitch. If it was sideways, he wanted another pitch. If it was, you know, he did it. He called his game by how he caught the ball from the catcher on the previous pitch. So there's different ways of of signaling games, and you could have now think about that. He could have known what pitch is coming, and his catcher could have put whatever he wanted be down between his legs. And they would have gotten around that Astros thing. Now the fielders wouldn't have known what was coming unless they were watching Maddox too, but that was just a that story sticks with me.
0: That that I did not know. That actually is really cool to hear that. I, I think I I think I told you this story, but I'll tell my audience this story. How I got on the field during spring training was I I mumbled to my dad, I said, Oh, Cinder well, not throwing that pitch correctly. And I think the pitching coach wasn't there and Ter. I think they said, well, could you do it any better? And I said, well, if you give me a shot, I could try. And then all of a sudden, they, they said, all right, put this jacket on. Give me your phone. You're not coming on with your phone because this was a private practice. They said I could talk about it. They said, but we don't want anyone to know our signs. You come on and you teach, teach Syndicate how to throw that slider. And I said, oh, okay. I mean, uh, I don't want to be rude. I'm not going to get thrown out. He's like, no, no. So then I'm, I'm standing there with, uh, by myself. My dad, of course, couldn't come on the field. And Terry Collins says, Well, who, who's this guy? <laughs> and then I said, Well, and then, like, I met Jacob the and he signed my ball for me. And Jacob's really a nice guy. And he says, Well, uh, I was a little starstruck. I was like, Oh, Mr. Collins is an honor. He says, Well, what do you, how how'd a fan get on the field? <laughs> and I said, Well, they, they offered And I said, I said, and then I told Syndergaard how to do it. And I, and I mumbled to Terry, I'm like, I think Syndergaard's hurt. And he said, Well, has been complaining about pain, but don't tell anybody. And then two days later, it came out that he, he told Tommy John, and I was like, ah.
1: <laughs> Interesting stuff. It's, uh, that's awesome that you got to be up that close. And I also like that you mentioned the phone thing because, again, it goes back to crossing the line. You can watch my team play all, all you want. Don't show up at practice. You know, don't try to get stuff. Don't try to film practice. Don't try to watch. What we're doing in practice, because that's that's definitely going to get yourself in trouble.
0: Yeah, and I, I just like I remember I went up to synagogue and I said, are you, and he's like, every pitch is going. So I mumbled him I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm just kind of my shoulders, my my elbows just kind of a little lagging a little bit, like there's a little junk in there. And I'm like, well, your slider's just hanging there, like, <laughs> and it's down to velocity because they let me play with the gun. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe just try to throw a few fastballs to get your confidence back. And he's like, okay. Because these guys, every, of course, every Major League Baseball player is really good. But these guys weren't up to Cinderguy's level. And they were getting – one guy hit a home run off him. I'm like,
1: oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign.
0: But it, it was fun to talk to Terry, Terry Collins. He spoke to me for about 30 minutes. Not not nice guy. He always speaks to the people. But it was nice to hear from him for a little bit and get a perspective of him because that's someone – as much as he was my manager, I guess, growing up, that I'd always hear from him. He was around for nine years. So to hear from him up in, up in person and not have to deal with the, the media asking him the same question and actually ask a few questions that I've always wondered, it was nice to hear from him. And
1: yeah.
0: So some of these guys are down to earth. I, like you, I was surprised. A lot of the guys were down to earth and were really nice. You, you'd think that, like, they wouldn't be because they've had all the success, but a lot of the major league baseball players are – down to earth
1: well they're they're people too and the bottom line is they're they're people just like you and me you know they just have a skill set that we don't have but that doesn't mean that they're not people like us
0: yeah and one last question what is your favorite baseball memory is it like watching growing up as a kid
1: well see i have a lot because when when I was a little kid, being a bat boy on, a, like, a Legion team, that was a big deal. Like, they only picked – you had to be pretty special just to be a bat boy back then. So I have a lot from when I was really a little kid of – of I had an older brother who played and some of his teammates. But I would say as a as a fan, you know, not including my playing career or even coaching career, you know, I would say – when the Reds won the 90 World Series against the A's, you know, they swept um, the A's. That was pretty, that was pretty fun. I was in college at the time, you know, being able to enjoy the games, watching the games. That was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. I think that's a good trivia question for you. You know, who has the longest winning streak in World Series games? And the answer is, the Cincinnati Reds have won eight in a row because they beat the Yankees in 76 and in four games and they beat the A's in 90.
0: What that team? I was watching a documentary on MLB Network. By the way, if you don't have MLB Network, I would recommend, for my listeners, I'd recommend getting it because it's just a lot of fun to watch. The, the Nasty Boys documentary, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I,
1: yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch that whole season. And I actually went down – Spring training with a couple of friends the following year in 91, we went to Plant City and uh, stayed at the same hotel where the Reds were at. So um, we got to see a couple games and see people up close. That was a lot of fun. You know, if you're a true baseball fan, when, when spring training goes on, try to get yourself down there. You'll get closer in spring training with the worst seat in the house than you'll ever get at a major league game. It's a lot of fun. Well, I didn't have good seats that
0: day, and that, that's why we went to go watch the practice, actually. And I got to meet Howie Rose, who was a Met broadcaster, because we were right next to where the broadcasting booth was. And he was running really late, and I said, oh, that's Howie Rose. And he, just, he was nice enough to sign my ball. It's a great way to interact with players.
1: Yeah.
0: And I enjoyed spring training. I was happy we got that done when we did, because a week later we wouldn't have been able to, to do it.
1: Well, we – we have a couple players in the minor leagues now from our high school, and we're hoping that they keep progressing up the chain and maybe we can go take a road trip and see them in spring training when they're up with the big clubs.
0: Oh, yep. Uh, who is it? Gabe Moses right down there right now. Yep, he and Connor Higgins. He came to a lot of minor league, I mean, intermural stuff, and it was always oh. fun to watch him throw.
1: Yep, and, and Connor's throwing 96, 97, trying to get up to 100. You know, he's a left-hander with the Angels. Gabe's a a right-hander with the Padres minor league system. So really hoping – unfortunately for them, this, you know, not having a minor league season potentially is, is, uh, you know, not going to help them.
0: Oh, man. I I don't think there's going to be minor league baseball this year. I know the draft's only going to be five rounds. But it's unfortunate.
1: That's a tough one too. You know, that's going to – ruin a lot of dreams out there of kids just hoping to get drafted. Mm-hmm. And I think it might help these, you know, programs with deep pockets because they'll be able to go negotiate with some of these other players and, um, you know, maybe not give them more money. But, you know, when you have more money, it's easier to kind of wine and dine players and try to get, convince them to come into your program.
0: Okay. Well, you're right. I mean, the Yankees have – what, are they worth a billion dollars, the franchise? I think yeah. Forbes said, oh, maybe a little over. And I, I know Major League Baseball wants to do some stuff with the minor league facilities. They don't want them anymore, which I'm totally against. I love minor league baseball. Maybe it's because I have a minor league baseball stadium 15 minutes away from me, and then another one in Reading that's 45 minutes with traffic. I uh, I don't want minor league baseball to go away because I enjoy those games.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm
0: with you. I uh. We'll hope, we'll hope for the best, I guess. We'll see about minor league baseball, but uh, I think we covered everything. Is there anything else you want to say?
1: No, I just thanks for thinking of, about me and having me on. I, I know I listen, I listen to your podcast regularly. I enjoy it when they come out and keep doing your good work, and, and hopefully I get to see you soon.
0: Definitely. It was an, I was, I'm happy you came on, and you were one of the, the target people I had on when I had this idea. You and the draft expert were the big audience's request by multiple people that listen to this podcast. Even people that you don't know and I don't know said, we want these people because you always bring them up. So I'm excited that you came on. I do have an update on the draft expert while I'm thinking about it. We've been talking. We're going to figure out a time so my listeners can stop sending me Instagram stuff and Twitter stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it and he's, he's excited and we're going to figure out a time we can do this.
1: I'm looking forward to that too.
0: It, he's excited. He made sure we're going to get it done soon. So everyone can stop asking me next week on the podcast. We're going to have the Le- the South Parkland Legion head coach on uh, Will Algard. I'm excited to have him on next week and back, back by popular demand. Gabe will be coming back on the podcast. A lot of my listeners really enjoyed, they enjoyed him more than they enjoy me because he gets a little more <laughs> emanated than I do with stuff. So I'm excited. And this has been an edition of the Mets News Podcast. I have to thank Coach Ryder for coming on. Obviously, I would not have been able to coach in high school if it wasn't for him or college if it wasn't for him taking a shot on me when I was younger and dealing with me because we we all have our stuff. But I'm excited to coach in college, and I do want to say thank you to the whole Parkland baseball coaching staff. They're a great staff over there. There are a lot of great staffs in the Lehigh Valley, but I will say this forever, they're the best. Maybe that'll change when Coach Weber's not there anymore and that whole staff retires together. But for now, they're the best coaching staff in the whole valley. Uh, Subscribe to my platforms on Anchor, Apple, and Spotify. And that's it, guys. I hope everybody's staying safe. Wash your hands and uh, have a good one. Thank you, everybody.